receivers to the right. Russell Wilson extends the hands he has. Uh -huh. Wilson, quick throw. And it's intercepted. a big right-hander. Benoit delivers. Swing a high deep drive on the right field. And it's called to the right. Hunter on the move. Racing back. It's over. What's going on, everybody? Welcome in to the first edition of the podcast. I'm Tom Sawyer, your host. I want to thank you for listening. If you are, it's the Dynamite Show. What's up, guys? How we doing today? Welcome in on Monday, September 26th. This is the first time I'm doing this, the Dynamite Show. Um, the reason I opened the show up with that Malcolm Butler interception and that David Ortiz grand slam that beautifully sent... Tory Hunter face planning in the Red Sox bullpen is because I think that like those seasons, both these teams have a shot to do it again and win here in 2016, both a Pat Super Bowl and a Red Sox World Series. Let's start with the Sox. I mean, an unbelievable stretch by them. 11 straight. They strike out 23 Tampa Bay Rays yesterday. Combined, you know, I think it was Heath Hembry, Joe Kelly, and, uh, of course, Eduardo Rodriguez, who got the start and looked great again, making a case for himself to be in the starting rotation when the playoffs do roll around um, sometime next week. But I'm really just extremely impressed with the way that they were able to pitch yesterday. Christian Vasquez behind the plate called a great game, keeping players off balance. And, I mean, for him to be able to create a chemistry with the pitchers that are on the mound and be able to sit that many guys down, it really was unbelievable. And, I mean, of course, the Tampa Bay Rays are essentially a Little League team playing in the major leagues, but still a huge win for the Red Sox, completing their third sweep of a division foe. Uh, first the Yankees, then Baltimore, and now Tampa Bay. And now they head to New York for their second-to-last series of the year before they wrap up at home against Toronto. So they've really opened up in the AL East, and it was the perfect time to do it, as we've seen the Red Sox. You know, it was a tight race before New York came to Fenway. Of course, Hanley Ramirez had that beautiful series. It was the Hanley Ramirez show. But, I mean, really the entire lineup and the entire team is just hitting their stride at the right time. So they now 92 with 64. Toronto's in second, five and a half back. Baltimore, seven. And the Yankees are pretty much out of the conversation for the division at 12 and a half. Um, we're really chasing that number one seed. And right now we're tied with Texas. We've clinched a playoff berth at least, whether it might be the AL East which I'm pretty sure it will be, rather than a wild card. But we're standing there tied with Texas for the first seed, which would give us home field throughout. And we know that Fenway Park is an electric place to play in the postseason. Cleveland's standing at 90 and 65. They're a game and a half back of us for that best record in the American League. This is realistic. This could happen. And, and you know, at times we criticized the Red Sox. We, we said they weren't doing what they should be doing. And now we're looking at them, and they're doing it. And when you see guys like Rodriguez stepping up and Buckholtz, it's it's uh, encouraging to see this team be able to do what they're doing. So they're going to Tampa Bay yesterday, and kind of a crazy finish. Goes into 10 innings. Dustin Pedroia does the cha-cha slide at home plate. He was out by a mile on a double that Ortiz ripped into the gap. Ortiz, of course, the guy is having the best season that I've ever seen a guy his age have, um, and and one of the best in regards to the record books. But Pedroia 
runs around the catcher, does the uh, jump on it dance and hops over the tag a couple times before he lost the ball. Well, he did actually apply the tag, and, and Pedroia, of course, touched home plate, and the Red Sox were able to hold on in the bottom of the 10th inning, 3-2. Uh, to two. So, looking forward, as I said, Rodriguez really making a case for himself to be one of the guys in that four-man rotation. Price and Porcello, we know, are locks. But Rodriguez comes in at five and a third, only three hits and one run. Struck out three, 13 guys in those five and a third, which is impressive for him to only go that distance and be able to sit that many guys down. You know, thanks for coming. Now take your bat and go stick it back in the in the dugout. Henry comes in, five strikeouts of his own. Barnes, one of his own. Abad came in and let up a hit. I'm not the biggest fan of Abad. Every time that he's come in and pitched, he hasn't done a great job. Blew a couple games. But I think that this is John Farrell working guys in like Abad and Joe Kelly because he's got to see who he can trust in the playoffs. And while it's the Tampa Bay Rays, it's still crunch time. It's time for the Red Sox to make their move, and they're fighting for that number one seed. And obviously, as I said, they should win the AL East. I believe the, the magic number is down to two. So if you can't lock that up, you've got some issues. But right now, 11 in a row, they've got six games left. I would think that at this point in the season, and at this point of their streak, they're most likely going to drop one. I would, I would not be surprised if, if that were to happen. I don't know if they can keep this alive and just keep winning, but it would be fantastic if they could. So moving forward, let's check out the schedule. As I said, we got three against New York, three against Toronto. So six games left. 17 in a row isn't... I mean, that's a, that's a winning streak. It'd be crazy if they could pull that one off. Not sure if they can, but they'll play tomorrow night. David Price will be on the mound. Buckles, Pomeranz, and Porcello. The three starters after that. I really think Drew Pomeranz is the guy that probably will be the odd man out at this point. I think it all depends on Buckholz and Rodriguez's last two starts. Or last respective starts, excuse me. Uh, but Buckholz looked great his last two. And Rodriguez as well. And if those two guys... Of course, Buckles has playoff experience. Rodriguez doesn't. But when Erod's on, you know he's got stuff that can get guys out. And same thing with Buckles. Pomeran's up there. He kind of looks like he lost his puppy or, or his best friend. He he throws. I don't really see him bringing it to home plate. You know, a guy like Rick Porcello with this amazing turnaround he's had this year and who I think should be highly considered for the Cy Young and maybe win it. I know that Zach Britton from Baltimore is... That, that sinking fastball that he throws is one of the most unbelievable pitches that I have ever seen. 98 miles an hour. The thing doesn't just sink. It, it dives and darts up and left, right, up, down. I mean, that thing is unhittable when it's on. And I wouldn't like to get up there in the batter's box and try to hit it because I'd probably look extremely foolish. But Rick Porcello, when he throws, the guy's coming at, at, at the plate and he's coming at the hitters and he's challenging them inside. And he's not afraid to, to throw his stuff at you. Pomeranz, on the other hand, seems apprehensive to, to really charge up up there and try to throw it by you. And sometimes he throws a curveball that hooks about four feet in the air before it drops in. And if you're sitting back waiting on it, you can drive that thing all day over the Green Monster or, you know, any, any fence at any park. So, like I said, he may be, in fact, that odd man out. Just shifting to the Celtics real quick. Um... Kevin Garnett, of course, retired earlier uh, a few days ago. So just want to give a shout-out to him. A great career. 
Uh, fantastic when they brought him into Boston, of course, brought the championship. And uh, we also had a couple of the playoff runs that went deep with him in the big three, Ray Allen and Paul Pierce. Another guy who has said that at the end of the season, it will be his final run. I'm not sure about Kevin Garnett, but there is no doubt that the number 34 will one day be sitting in those rafters at the TD Garden. So I just want to give a thank you to Paul Pierce for all the fantastic things he did for Boston and for the Boston Celtics. And I wish him luck. And uh, maybe this year will be his year. Probably not, if you ask me. I'd say it would be Warriors Cavaliers again in the the NBA. But we'll see. The NBA season, of course, starting, I believe, in 30 or, or 29 days. So that's right around the corner, too. But um, back to the Sox. Just wanted to give that quick shout-out to those guys. I don't think that anybody in the American League poses that great of a challenge to the Red Sox. I'm not going to sit here and, and crown the Cleveland Indians or the Texas Rangers as as uh, future, you know, th- as they're going to win the World Series this year. I don't think so. And the reason I say that is because they I, these guys have been there before, both Texas and Cleveland, in the playoffs, and they haven't got it done. And while they, you know, might win a series or two, they, there's no ring to show for. The Red Sox, in seasons that they've won, 2004, 07, 13, they've had a fantastic September. They've had a chemistry like they do this year. I mean, of course, we've seen 11 days in a row now. The wind dance repeat in the outfield, Benintendi or Chris Young, Jackie Bradley and Mookie Betts. And it's things like that that you can tell how loose and how connected those guys are in the clubhouse and that translates to the way that they play on the field and I think that in seasons that they have won they've had that and of course I don't think it was anything like 2004 with Cowboy up and all those you know the quote-unquote idiots but we've seen in the past when the Red Sox are able to put it together like that it's something special and it usually turns out well for them so I have no reason to doubt that they can't beat anybody in the American League and the Chicago Cubs probably well, are arguably the best team in baseball. I personally think that the Red Sox are on paper. And when they're playing, it's unbelievable. I heard something earlier today that the Cleveland Indians are second behind us in runs scored, and we've outscored them by 110 runs. So this offense is, is something that you don't see often. This is something that you should be happy to watch because you're witnessing – one of probably the best offense baseball has ever seen. This lineup is lethal. And if I'm an opposing pitcher, especially in the playoffs, and a guy gets a base hit off me to lead off an inning or something of that, something to that extent, I'm shaking in my shorts. Because, you know, if Ortiz gets on, Mookie's behind him, or if Pedroia, who the man has lost his mind of late and just can't not hit the ball, you know, these they're going to get to people. And, of course, it's the playoffs. Everybody's going to be on the area game. Every starter, every pitcher, every bullpen guy is coming in, and they know the they know the severity of each pitch, each game, each moment. And one run in the playoffs could be equivalent to three runs in the regular season. You know, the Red Sox, that's why it's so important that the pitching is buckling down now because the offense is going to be able to produce but there's going to be a lot of close games, 2-1, 3-2, 4-2, games like that. You don't win games in the playoffs. You don't, at least I haven't seen it much, you don't sweep a series winning every game 10 to nothing, or, you know, something like that. So with that said, I think the Red Sox are really gunning for that first spot in the American League, obviously. They win the East. I think they will pull that off. 
the Yankees stick a fork in them. And we pretty much put the nail in the coffin during that series at Fenway. And I don't see why we should be able to sweep them again. That's a lot to ask after three straight sweeps. But I say they can go out there and easily get two out of these three. And uh, really set themselves up to be that top seed. Transitioning now over to the NFL. It is football season. It is the third week. Of course, we saw the Patriots on Thursday night football spank the Houston Texans in the bottom like a parent who's mad at their child and say, go back to your room in Houston. We punched their ticket back. Um, Really incredible what they were able to do in a short week with the third-string quarterback, Jacoby Brissett, who apparently suffered a thumb injury and, and needed surgery, but... They say it's not serious, which I'm happy to hear. I'm not sure how it's not serious if you need surgery. I'm hoping that Jimmy Garoppolo is ready to go, or percent at least, because I'm not sure what else we do. And, I, and the Patriots haven't made any moves, which tells me that one of those guys will be going come this uh, week, this next Sunday, against the Buffalo Bills, who surprisingly went into Arizona and beat the Arizona Cardinals. I didn't see that coming. And I, it's not to say that our win in the beginning of the year with Jimmy Garoppolo wasn't wasn't impressive because Arizona's a good team and that offense is dangerous. But with all the turmoil going on in Buffalo, not performing well, Rex Ryan is on the hottest seat of them all. And they go, they beat Arizona 33-18. They really ran them right off the field. Now, I read something yesterday as well that Buffalo is 28-30. and 30. 31, excuse me, in the in those meetings with New England. And one game was a throwaway game in 2014, late in the year when the Pats just sat everybody and said, let's gear up for the playoffs. Going forward into this game, I'm not that worried that the Patriots won't be able to beat the Buffalo Bills. They've done it for years now. And um, I think they'll do it again. And I think Bill Belichick has always outcoached Rex Ryan the majority of the time, and I think he'll do it again here. And they know if they win this game, they're 4-0, And the man himself, Tom Edward Brady, will be back in Cleveland against the Cleveland Browns team that just lost to the Dolphins and, you know, has looked despicable for years now. And I'm sure Tom Brady will come in there fired up, ready to go, and and will do just what Tom Brady does, throw touchdowns, win games. I don't see them losing this game. I see them going there 4-0. I truly believe that. And that's why I say that I both I think that both of these teams are Super Bowl and World Series contenders. The Red Sox, we just talked about how unbelievable they've been. And now you look at the the Patriots. They've solidified the offensive line. Dante Scarnecchia has just it's amazing what a coach can do. Maybe it's not just a coach, but I, I definitely uh I say it's a, a big testament into how they played. Because the running game's back. The Quarterback has not been on the ground nearly as much as he was last year. Of course, we saw the atrocious blocking, if that's what you want to call it, in the AFC Championship last game where Tom Brady hit the turf 20-plus times. Scars come in and been able to get the best out of these guys, and they're popping every play. They shut down J.J. Watt. I believe he only had half a tackle last game. Something, Something to that. Two tackles. Two total tackles. No sacks. Was he, was he there? I'm not sure. I don't even know if he made the trip to New England. He might as well not have. And another guy, Jadavian Clowney, no sacks. Two tackles, 
So the big story with Houston coming in was, oh, we got a third-string quarterback for New England. And Houston has this phenomenal pass rush, and they're playing well. And Brock Osweiler, who threw 196 yards and an interception, 17 incompletions, 24 for 41. I mean, the QBR of 29.1. So you tell me if Brock Osweiler and the Houston Texans are going to be a threat to the New England Patriots in the AFC. I think not, but you're entitled to your own opinion. What I really want to get at is LeGarrette Blunt and what looks like a rebirth of him. And I think it's a, I think it goes hand in hand with the offensive line coming back to life as well. 24 carries, 105 yards, two touchdowns in that game. He looked fast. We saw him hop over the defensive back against Miami. He just looks more agile. He looks quicker. I don't know if he lost weight. I don't know if he's just hungrier to run the ball or if he's more confident that his line can can get him through the first level and on to the second, into the secondary where he can, I mean, no no defensive back wants to get in front of a Garrett Blunt. The guy's 250 pounds. And when he's running at you full speed and he lowers the shoulder, you're going to drop a load in your pants because it's probably not going to feel too good. And and I'd say there's a higher chance of him running you over or maybe you tripping him up than you actually sticking him. So the Garrett Blunt looks, looks good. He looks great, actually. And I think that's really taking a lot of pressure off Jimmy Garoppolo and Jacoby Brissett. And, of course, the defense. You've got to be confident going out there, even if you're not able to just get a score, just getting some tempo going on in offense and some rhythm that you're going to get some points on the board. Because, you know, even if you give the ball back on a punt, you pin a, deep, pin a team deep. And the, the Patriots, let me tell you, have been phenomenal in playing the field position game. From kickoffs to punts, Ryan Allen's been pinning teams behind the 20 and within the 15. He did it, I think, four or five times alone against Houston on Thursday. And Steven Guskowski, we saw the two pooch kicks that game where they forced the fumbles. I mean, and that's a little bit of help we got from the Texans. Just ball security was, that's disgusting. Jamie Collins is running around like a madman. Dr. Hightower didn't even play in that game. But Jamie Collins had an interception, 14 total tackles. And Malcolm Butler... A lot of nice pass defenses. Logan Ryan as well held DeAndre Hopkins to only four catches and 56 yards. You can't ask for much more than that. And, of course, they didn't score a point. This, this The almighty 2-0 Houston Texans coming to town. See you later. And I think it's now in six games, J.J. Watt against New England has no sacks. So I guess he just doesn't like playing us. I'm not sure why. But, uh. Just an unbelievable game by them, and I think moving forward against Buffalo, I don't see really any shot that we don't win this game. And it's the NFL, and to to use the old cliche that on any given Sunday, any team can lose. But in this game, Buffalo, Tyrod Taylor, 14 for 25, 119 yards, no touchdowns and a pick. He scored one on the run, and LaShawn McCoy, had he added two more with 110 yards. So Arizona really couldn't stop the run game. But we saw the guy Blunt have a successful day against them when we went to Arizona the first game this year. Mr. Ryan, did you and your wife make the foot fetish videos? I mean, you know, Rob Ryan and Rex Ryan and that defense. Tyrod Taylor also fumbled twice and so did Sean McCoy. They were fortunate enough to recover all those. But I think the Pats will come in, do what they do, score first, get on the board, try to get out to that early lead, maybe 10-point, uh, 14-point lead. Then we see the defense sit back, and, and you're just going to count on Buffalo probably making some mistakes. They're probably 
the defense forcing some turnovers, getting the ball back in the young quarterback's hands, whether it's Brissette or Garoppolo. And I think that they're going to be fine. That's really how I feel about it. I, I can't say I'm that worried. So that leaves us at 4-0, Tom Brady coming back in, at Cleveland. And things are looking as good as they possibly could for the pass. And Roger Goodell's probably hiding in a cave somewhere, just sulking. That's what I'd be doing if I was him. I'd be embarrassed to even have the title that he does. And uh, and for Bill Belichick, it, it might be the biggest four-game stretch that he's had in a really long time to come in against the odds that everybody thought that he would be down and out and not able to win games with Jimmy Garoppolo or Jacoby Brissett, which we didn't even think that would happen, but that came to fruition. And Bill Belichick took everything, took the shit hand that was dealt to him, threw up a middle finger, and he's gone 3-0 and to this point, and I don't see him going 3-1, and realistically. I see them going 4-0, and I see him smacking Roger Goodell directly across the face and just sending him crying to his wife, I guess. I'm not sure. All right, guys, thanks for listening. That's all I got for you today. I'm Tom Soares. I'm your host. I hope you enjoyed it. Did a little Red Sox and Pats talk, a little mention of the Celtics. That's what we're going to do. Keep it in Boston and Beantown Sports all day for you guys. Like I said, I hope you enjoyed the first edition of the Dynamite Show. And I'll be back next week. See you later. Couldn't be the way I'll catch up.